0: So, tell me if I get this straight. I, would,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I, I literally spat.
0: Hello and welcome to Two Two Guys, a podcast about ballet, hosted by two ballet dancers. My name's Keelan. Uh, on this episode adam's not going to be with us but we have a special guest in his place christopher rudd
1: hi chris hey it's keelan how are you doing good man thanks for having me
0: thank you for being here i Uh, appreciate it chris and i know each other from alberta ballet which was my first job at my first company and we were roommates for the one year that we worked together we lived together as well facts And so if I'm
1: not mistaken, I think I was your first roommate as an adult. That is correct.
0: Uh, (laughs) You have the honor of being the first human being I ever cohabitated with. That wasn't like my family.
1: And it was an honor. Let me tell you.
0: Why don't we get a little bit of background on you? Just kind of basically read off your resume type thing, so People know where you're from, where you've been.
1: Well, I'm a Jamaican born choreographer and dance maker now. I was born in, the, in Jamaica, moved to the States when I was not yet four years old. I learned, uh, I became a ballet dancer through the auspices of the Thomas Summer Youth Ballet for summers at Dance Street of Harlem, summer intensives. I was a founding member of the Carolina Ballet. I danced for Le Grand Ballet Canadien de Montréal. I danced for Cirque du Soleil, and I, spent, I got injured with Cirque and spent um, a part of a season with Alberta Ballet, where we met, um, trying to recover from the injury as well as regain my love for dance, which was incredibly hard because that company was not my cup of tea. Um, uh, but it did allow me to meet some awesome people, including you. Um, And, but it did make me like, want to retire from company life, move to New York, freelance for a while and see where the next adventure uh, led me, which was actually to um, starting my own company, Rudder Dance. Um, And now I am the director and choreographer for a contemporary ballet company that uses contemporary ballet and contemporary circus to try to better the world through dance. Yeah.
0: OK, I dig it. The company is Rudder Dance.
1: Yes. R U D D U R, which a palindrome of my last name. Yeah. And it also the rudder of a plane or a boat gives direction to. Yeah, so it's the rudder, but it's spelled with a U because yeah. was that
0: it's a cool palindrome.
1: Thank you. Yeah. It was my sister's idea. She keeps on threatening to sue me, <laughs> like for the name, or for the credit. And it was like, all right, you know. It. Yeah, there's
0: not enough funding in the arts for her to really get like a lot out of you, but.
1: Well, um, I feel like we all see a future for me where, like, I'm I become like a billionaire through this. I don't know why, but yeah. <laughs> that's like the clearly where I'm going. Yeah, um, I can
0: tell. So you went to school for. What kind of your standard? You started at ten. When was your first job? How old are you?
1: I I have a summer birthday. Uh, I believe I just turned eighteen with my first job, okay. which was strange because I I didn't um, plan on being a dancer. Like I like the plan was move to America, join you know, go to school, get a become a doctor, a lawyer, and and whatnot, not ballet. Um. So breaking, to the, breaking into my family that I was turning down the scholarship to actually dance was a very difficult thing. And it was the first in a line of difficult truths I had to share with them. <laughs> like, yeah. And um, yeah, but I I deferred my scholarship for a year from Butler University. And I was like, all right, let me just try, you know, seeing what this dance thing is all about. and that first show was incredible. Like when people started clapping for me, I was like, you know what, (laughs) I think I could do this. And I think I should.
0: So this is Carolina.
1: Yeah. In Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, I didn't plan on dancing. So I didn't audition for companies. I didn't do that whole thing. And I didn't learn what the, what the social expectations and the, the expectations at all of what it was to be in a company. I just, My, my, I love to dance, and I was given the opportunity to have like world class training. And like, I was really competitive, so I was like, I must be the best wherever wherever room I go in. And so, that was like the like, I just wanted to be the best, like, that was the driving force. And um, this
0: is in school, you felt this way as well,
1: yeah, yeah, of course.
0: How'd you get the job in North Carolina then, or just in Carolina,
1: honestly? My uh one of my teachers came up to me and asked me if I wanted a job, and I was—I I, was—and you
0: were like, "This is how it's going to be forever."
1: No, like I—I'm just going to come up to me. I thought he well, he, he, the yes and no. He, I thought he meant a McDonald's. And I was like, "Why would you ask me that?" Like, no, I'm good at school. <laughs> Why? Would I, and he was like, "No, a dancing job." And until then, I never actually considered mean, it
0: dancing at McDonald's. <laughs> like, no, 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 not
1: McDonald's. It's like. like couldn't get well i never i never fathom a world where dance was actual profession versus a fun hobby right. that um brought me a lot of attention and he said that one of his good friends is now the ballet master of a company they're starting in north carolina oh, okay. and they're looking for people And i said okay i guess you can come watch me dance and then he came to watch class and i was like and he took it as well um Marin Boyer, and he was a really fantastic dancer and then after class he was like you're good okay so we're starting a company this is what we're doing Da-da-da-da. um i'm going to tell him that i that you should work here and da-da-da. i didn't actually meet my first boss until day one of work and when i walked in the room with dreads <laughs> and like and i don't like like I I guess I was fat for a dancer I don't know he was like whoa what the hell okay (laughs) and I'll never forget the look when he saw me and then um the subsequent conversations about how I would need to change in order to fit into a ballet company which was never a part of what my life was supposed to be from from so So,
0: all these questions kind of came like on the job prepared your answers for all these things inside
1: but also like how to how to not speak and how you know all of these different things that like that ballet is supposed to like beat out of you as a child if, if that is your intended profession i just yeah i didn't even know that i wasn't supposed to be like all right i'm like i need to have a five or like i didn't know like we were supposed to not talk and all of this stuff like except for while you're actually dancing, that makes sense. But my opinion and my ability to speak in a, in a room was something that was never was never beaten out of me. About. So.
0: So your relationship with leadership, mm. right, with directorship, is that something that was uh, often or always contentious? Or did it really just come and go? It depended on the circumstance in the person
1: person i as i was always every choreographer every director's favorite because there was something about my energy that was hungry for the ability to dance and frankly i never looked at my directors as my bosses they were the people that i was allowing to pay me to dance for them
0: (laughs) yeah you never on your side of the relationship Look at it as authority or boss. Yes, absolutely. That pers- was the person, person who's that... giving me a venue, and they obviously yes. like me, and so we're both here for a reason.
1: Absolutely, and frankly, it. Nev- and when we went into meetings, um, or or whenever I spoke to the my directors, like I would speak to them as people, not as authority, and I always had a fairly good relationship because, up until Cirque, my bosses respected the fact that they could speak to me like a person (laughs) and there's no need to try and like um exert this authority on me just because they they can Mm -hmm. it was like oh like chris is here and the relationship
0: was based on mutual respect and so they didn't need to absolutely lay the hammer down
1: Cirque did Cirque tried a few times and like with what they were paying me if anyone could have potentially like yeah. molded Chris into like this quiet mouse of a, of a man. They, were, they came the closest in that respect.
0: So, in Cirque so. du Soleil, you were there for almost two years, right?
1: Uh, almost three years, actually.
0: What did you do there? Because I would guess a lot of people listening haven't worked for a circus. Mm. And so, what's that like? Because you didn't go there as a circus performer, you went there as a dancer.
1: There was a dance component to the show that I was on. What kind of dance? Um, the I never know how to describe it to be honest. It you was like whatever. Like a, like, a, like a 16
0: count phrase, I'll describe it. <laughs> Not for a podcast. There's Not no for any... an audio medium. <laughs> <company. laughs> yeah.
1: But um like I moved around and there a lot of it was improv. So it was just like, you know, there were times where okay Chris, this is your chance to like to take the stage. Yeah. And um And so, like, I would do everything that my body had the capacity to do to to make the audience say, wow. And there was an athleticism to the way I performed. It was like, all right, you have three minutes, go. And there are times where we're we're dancing with fire or we're dancing on, like, um, like a cityscape or all of those things. And um, most of what we did was improv. And when it was time to, like, do the choreographic parts of the show, it was just, like, really... I'm actually ashamed of what I'm doing. Okay. But when it came to like the improv, like that was the time that, you know.
0: It's when you got to be free. They're... Be creative. Yeah, be creative. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can understand the impulse to run away and join the circus. In uh, China. In China. Yeah. So it was in Macau, China, which is, I haven't been. but From what mm-hmm. I've heard from you and just from life, uh, it seems like it's a pretty unique place to go to.
1: I missed it. Yeah, it was. It was. I remember because I I had my dog there as well. Rest in peace, Bob. Who, um, when our when we would go on walks, like every new uh, alley was this new adventure and this new new um, new possibility of this Asian beauty, <laughs> like with with like history, but also like. Um, something so foreign to what my eyes are used to seeing. Uh, so it was really great to live there. And the ability to travel from there was also quite impressive. And
0: I just think of Bob in Macau from a dog's perspective. The smells must have been so different from what yeah. he was used to. He's like, what, there's like the, 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 the food vendors would be so different than the ones in the States and uh, in Canada.
1: So. And for the most part, by the time he moved here, he was so well-trained that... He, he was off the leash, and would explore like on his own in a way that, like, like you lucky, yeah. He was a pretty lucky dog in, in, in that respect.
0: You had your back operation in Hong Kong. You came. You got a job via DVD, which is such a rare thing that a director. At least that's what everybody says. They're like, we don't hire, we don't hire off a of video. You got to come here. And then every company I've been to, I've seen them hire a bunch of people on DVDs. And it's like, you didn't tell me I could audition with a DVD for the record, but.
1: He, it, I feel it is rare. And what I learned from my experience of being hired off of a video, because it wasn't DVD, I think it was it was like cassette tape at the time. VHS,
0: There's no way. No. In 2009, really? there was, you weren't sending a cassette tape.
1: You're probably two, right. It was 2009. You're probably right, um, but I don't feel like it was a, Oh, whatever. It was off video. Um, the company hiring off of video must be in a place of desperation and that place of desperation must be for a reason. That is all yeah. I'm saying. <laughs> like,
0: I've seen it happen at least four times. Mm. And every single time the director, like somehow the, the fit wasn't good, like because you didn't get to see Alberta and meet the director and see the team. When you got there, there was a shock of like, oh, wait this is how it's run here. And for them, there was probably something in their own way. Right. And so right away, there's that conflict.
1: Yes, absolutely. You like, guys I... not
0: jive, you and Alberta.
1: Not at all. Not at all. I wish everyone the best of luck in their endeavors, however. Yeah. Yeah. Or something.
0: I haven't gone into like my Alberta ballet story yet because it was a, it was a mess, man. It was so rough. Um, at times, there were there were moments of extreme roughness. And that will be covered uh, a little bit later on. But, um,
1: in our conversation or in a... In, a, in, in, in later a... episodes, we'll go into <laughs> the see. why um,
0: and the what happened there. But you and I can both agree that wasn't the perfect place for us to land.
1: I will say that I had a hard time with Cirque because for the first time in my life, I was a human prop and not an artist. And at least that's how I felt. That was my interpretation of it. And I had a hard time in Alberta because the, I didn't even feel like a human <laughs> like, and I was already a man. The idea that someone believed I was less than at any point in my life was, I was always going to be a place of contention, but for the most part, I had always been able to, even at Cirque, speak to the people sitting across from me, who I was gracious enough to let them pay me (laughs) to do what I have to do. We've always been able to, to converse in a way that a human was talking to a human. You know, the needs like, okay, as a human, I need these certain things. And you, as a human, also need those things. Let us start from that place. Not position or um a misguided notion of hierarchy or a misguided notion of what power is I run my company with the idea that you know there are things where hierarchy is essential but those moments are fairly fairly few and far between I like to believe that my dancers feel that when they're speaking to me they're speaking to a human but who knows
0: what would you say your leadership style is like? And how was it informed by the stuff that preceded it?
1: To be honest, I'm still learning my leadership style. I, I question myself every day afterwards. I didn't, my intention was never to start a company. I was choreographing. I would, you know, get my friends in a room and then all of a sudden the people in the room weren't my friends anymore. All of a sudden, like, oh, wow, now I have a room full of strangers that don't know my personality, don't know, like, my intention, that don't know my heart. I will say for me, when I was starting to understand that these people were not looking at me like the the choreographer in the room, but their director, I started to take that responsibility seriously, started to remember the effect my director's opinion had on me. I started to remember, like, the the many times I would say, like, oh, he doesn't like me, because, <laughs> like, you know, and right. what that would do for my, my after work hours. Like, so, like, at the end of every project, at the end of every season, I, you know, I give people the opportunity to tell me what I did wrong, tell me what I, you know, what I need improvement on, and I take that seriously, I, I think about it, and...
0: Do you take any strides to make sure that they feel safe enough to be honest because like you know, yes. kim jong-un could also be like tell me what you think i'm doing wrong and he would
1: get Absolutely. a perfect and grade every time and it's funny because at first i i would approach everyone as if they were me and they had like the the sense of power or the sense sure. of authority of themselves um so i would make sure okay this is you know, this would be a conversation to happen after i gave them the last paycheck for this project. We'll either work together again one day or we won't. There's no fear, but I've taken extra steps. I have um, uh, I had a conversation with a dancer uh, a couple of years ago that, you know, shook me because the entire time I work with my artists, I, I, I invite them and I request that they use their voice with me because there, there's only so much I can see and do and feel of what they're going through as a performer um but this this dancer told me that she was being traumatized by the role that i was asking her to do and i was looking at her trauma and thinking wow this dancer is you know reaching the heights of what it is to be a performer like she's like bearing her soul and like not knowing that oh she's actually bearing her soul and she's not okay and she doesn't feel safe enough to tell me that even though i i am requesting it from her so um I've addressed that in my company. I've started to use intimacy director to, um, help dancers feel agency in the way they, they are in the room.
0: Yeah. You mentioned the intimacy director. Mm-hmm. This is a new thing, I think.
1: Absolutely. Especially
0: in dance. My understanding is that mm-hmm. an intimacy director might be there in the room for the, uh, choreographer or the, you know, the setting of a romantic scene are they also just there to help kind of facilitate conversation in other moments in your company? What does it mean?
1: When my intimacy director, Sarah Lalosoff and I were trying to find ways of bringing intimacy direction into the dance world. We had a long conversation, many conversations about the, the culture of dance and what needs to be, um, revisited for lack of a better word like what needs to be like dismantled what needs to be addressed things
0: like communication ownership
1: absolutely going into and out of character what it means to to be um a a good artist like they're they're in my in rudder dance like it's not yes and which is usually the badge of a good artist we'll take the yes and i'm not against it but if you can say no, but it means you have thought about it. Yeah. You have addressed what, why you were saying no, <laughs> like, and you are engaged in a way that um, I actually love to have in my room. What, like, and frankly, that's the type of dancer I was uh, like, Oh, that hurts. But you know what, what if I did this? Like, Oh, well, you know what I mean? Like someone that's bringing us, bringing me ideas and, and um that's actively engaged in the scene that we're making, the characters that we're developing and what we're communicating to the audience. It's so, it's, I I love that way of working.
0: When I saw that you were starting your own company, the first thought was, oh yeah, great. Chris is born to be his own boss because he doesn't love having a boss. Right. And now he gets an opportunity to, to test his own theory, like test his, his idea of what leadership and direction should look like, right?
1: I find that I also don't like being a boss and I don't think of myself as a boss. I understand that the company's mine. I understand that people might view me with a certain amount of, um, power in like, I do have the power to fire or hire clearly. And you know, I pay, but when I'm in the, in the space to create, we are we are colleagues, we are teammates, we are like they're like I give everyone the ability to veto an idea because um like sometimes it's not my best work and if you if if you're too afraid to say, ooh actually Chris, is that good? Like then one day the critics will say, that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. um, the
0: difference between like leadership being this is about me or leadership as an act of service, right? Mm. A position of service, giving back. It seems like from your describing of it, it's a difference between: uh, Are we here to serve someone else, or are we all here together to serve some common goal?
1: Mm. Mm.
0: And so, if we're all here together, then if somebody has an idea, maybe it's the apprentice or the intern, but he's able. He has just as much of a voice as you do. I mean. You make the decision at the end. Absolutely, right? but absolutely. Everybody is on the same playing field in the sense of everybody should be empowered to contribute and yes. speak their limitations, speak their their traumas, speak their their worries, their discomforts. But to voice those,
1: a part of receiving no isn't knowing why. Like I don't have the right to know why you're saying no. I just have to receive the fact that you've said it and respect the fact that you've said it because no one, no no one that no artist goes into the room like, I want to be negative today just for this. You know, everyone wants to create great art. Like, in in no one takes this job because they're going to be... I've
0: seen some bitchy dancers.
1: I've seen the system create dancers who become bitchy over time, for sure. sure. But, like, that's not where they start dancing. Sure. Yeah, yeah. In my space, I'm trying to create a space where dancers feel like they have agency, they have the ability to speak, they have the ability to say no, their boundaries are met. They're taking care of their emotional and physical fitness. And ever since we started using our intimacy director and and, and approaching work in this manner, the ease and that we have been able to create work and the depth that we can go in the creation of work has been a lot, Faster and more satisfying for me, sure. And audiences, I imagine, or at least they say.
0: Would you say that uh, you found that your dancers feel more empowered?
1: <laughs> um, that is the whole. You have a piece
0: called Empowered, right?
1: Yeah, I will have sure. show. My yeah. first yeah. solo show was called Empowered, and um, that's why I brought it's... that in, just to be clear. Yeah, I'm... <laughs> completely
0: aware. For the people at home, that was on purpose. Okay, so one thing you did this year that was really, or 2020 that was really cool, is you had a piece premiere with ABT. Let's spend I did. a couple minutes on this. That's c- congratulations. Thank you, I so appreciate cool. it. I would have come in person to see it had obviously COVID not happened, but yeah. I got to watch it from the comfort of my living room, as did many, many people around the world who've all seen it. It was beautiful. And so Thank it's, you. I was surprised when you told me this. This was the first ever standalone gay part of the that ABT has commissioned.
1: Yes. They've never and have the in their repertoire. Yes and and it's also an interracial the first interracial patada. It's also right. the first um it's the first time they've used an intimacy director in a work. The it's historic for a lot of reasons. It's the first time they've created a work for film. It's historic because I was the first black commissioned the choreographer in 20 years like there's a there's a lot about the 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 engagement that was historic and amazing and magical and first time creating a work in a bubble first time creating work during a pandemic like all of these things that was like wow
0: yeah i think i texted you at some point after i watched it that you're going to be the answer to trivia questions a (laughs) long time now right
1: um, that's actually something I purposely forgot, but now when you say it, I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> you did yeah. do that. Yeah. Um, that's a lot. The...
0: People are gonna learn your name.
1: Sure. There's
0: another reason for people to learn your name. How about that?
1: How about that? The
0: it was beautiful though.
1: Thank and you. I'm, I appreciate I'm so proud it. of
0: you, and uh, I hope you get all the success from that that you deserve because it was really beautiful.
1: It's. The it's it's weird because from day one, I went in with a certain preconceived notions and ideas and and whatnot about what the process would be like and it was it was such a magical and amazing experience to create the work. The dancers, the cast was amazing. The the ballet director, um, the director of repertoire, like everything about the work was was magical and perfect. There was a sense that I couldn't feel I couldn't I had to grapple with whether or not the piece was good and we were having a good time because it was actually good versus the deficit and the hunger that we came into the room with. Sure yeah. It had been if so you were long. So since, starved for anything yeah that it, you were
0: like, well this is not terrible, so
1: I love it. It, it tastes great. <laughs> Let me add a whole bunch of salt <laughs> yeah. and catch up. But like yeah. uh but it was amazing and 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 being able to to create a gay work with a gay cast and to be able to dive into our our collective memories of what it was like to it's
0: about coming out right
1: it's a depiction of what it is to come out and accept yourself right. it it does start with the the self-loathing that it is quite typical of the gay experience because of how hidden from our our vantage point so homosexuality is for so much of our lives. Like by the time you're starting to feel feelings that are telling you which way you you love and which way you desire, you're gay people are rarely actually seeing evidence that it's it exists, much less
0: it's celebrated.
1: Yeah. Um, Which is why the mission of the work was to normalize gay love. Like the idea that children can see this work and see what could be. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. So I saw a lot of people saying about it this is the first time I've seen myself Mm. in a dance.
1: Mm. And it's weird because a lot of dance hints at gay love, and there's so many. Or a bunch of the guys on stage this. are gay. Right. The yeah, guy exactly.
0: kissing the girl <laughs> is gay. That's yeah, his boyfriend absolutely. right there. <laughs> How do we not have examples mm-hmm. of this out mm-hmm. there?
1: But so, this was the first time there was nothing hidden. There was the there's even the an amazing kiss at the end. And um, it brings like it really makes me emotional when I think I try not to think about all the feedback I get because it, it does bring a little bit of like um, humility to the work and and to yeah it's it's overwhelming the amount of um especially from gay men who've been starved for the ability to see themselves on stage in that way and and frankly the cast was so beautiful in their interpretation of it that like it was so romantic that you want them to kiss and then when they finally do it's just like yes <laughs> like thank yeah. you <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> you throw in for both of them just like hey right now I need you to do like a perfect Alice Khan double on the dog, <laughs> and then we're going to get right back into the ponder work I'm, like, I'm going to need you to nail that
1: <laughs> give that <it back> to- <laughs> uh, yeah I mean but th- we are telling a story through dance so we kind of need dance <laughs>
0: I remember watching it, it wasn't hinting, you know? Uh-huh. It wasn't like, oh, well, look here. Like it was, It was. oh, this is the real deal. There was a vulnerability in what was happening between these two men mm. or what was happening within them individually and then between them. And I kind of realized as I was watching, Oh, I don't think I've seen either much of this in any medium or maybe I've never seen it at all, right? Is this moment of these two men, Exploring what they feel and coming together. But I realized that this moment I'm seeing, if one of those was a girl or a woman, it would be commonplace. Like it would be so common. And I just realized, oh, wow, the distance we, you know, we yeah. need to travel to make it absolutely even, fair, representative is so yeah. far. Right? And and so that was one of the victories I felt like I was watching unfold.
1: It's um First of all, thank you. That was all quite amazing to hear someone say. (laughs) um, There was a lot of thought and that went into the creation of this work. Debate was a part of the creation. Being able to have the artists themselves and Sarah, the Disney director, as well as the rehearsal of repertoire, Nancy Rafa, defend the piece came from the hours of conversation and you know the hours of okay now go do homework and come back the next day with like you know with um your thoughts um giving them agency to say i think my character would want this and i think that not only my character but who was our intended audience you know we we asked so many questions of ourselves during the creation of the work that i i'm i'm glad to see that The process of making, the process that we put into the creation of art has a direct and equal effect on the spectator of said art. Yeah, and I find the more naked and truthful I am during the creation process, the more impact it has. Now imagine not just me being naked and truthful during the creation process, but all of us. Like I'm very collaborative in the sense that if you're in my work, your voice is in the work. You're doing my steps <laughs> <laughs> because, like, like sometimes I do need you to get a your leg and do that perfectly executed dramatic <laughs> turn on and on. But um, because it's my work, but we are telling a story and we are telling the same story. Um, and I will say, when it comes to how I like my work to be viewed, like it's not supposed to be presented to you and you're the spectator it's as if you're walking down the street and you can see inside someone's apartment and their living life the truth of the life you would live if no one was watching is still what you're displaying when you're interpreting my work and it takes a lot of um i ask a lot of the artists that work with me i wonder if i would have enjoyed working for myself because yeah i am demanding (laughs) I don't pay that well either because <laughs> <Like, laughs> i can't yet mm-hmm. um but the truth is the way that people have always felt the need they felt compelled to express like what the work meant to them has been such an, an honor and it, it's so humbling it's so um it's such a, a satisfying feeling when even now digitally which is something i didn't because the touche was um I also directed the film of it and
0: okay.
1: was a part of the editing process as well. And it was something that I didn't, I had no evidence that through the screen, the intimacy and the, the authenticity of the work would be would felt. Yeah, yeah. It was like, okay, I've been working on a stage for all of this time. <laughs> Will it, would, is it something that um, can translate to film? And yeah. the fact that, did as well as it did was quite uh, surprising and astonishing and and amazing amazing i i'm still getting comments and it's it's weird someone shared a portion of it on facebook and it's been shared like 2000 times and people are still like sending me comments
0: this was intended to be performed live in the fall but of course was had to it had to be shifted into something online. But if this had been performed live, maybe, you know, a clip here or there would go up, but it would be filmed from further away, you know? Mm. And I wonder if the fact that it was made for a film production with your vision articulated, because you were part of the filming and editing, if it will actually have more of a life, and then it'll hopefully still get its live performances, which you all deserve. But I wonder if like like if, if ten years from now the ballet will actually have had more of an impact and more of a reach because mm. your show is as watchable to anybody 10 years from now as it was the day it was premiered online.
1: Which is one of the the, the curses of ballet being such an ephemeral art form. As soon as you do the step, it's over. Yeah. But with film, it can live on. Well, that's There's why a you longevity there. try
0: to get your shows videotaped. You try to ask for, like, when you really nailed the pirouette, you're like, can I get today's show? <laughs> kind of the, at least a part of
1: it. Yeah, but that, that's for your mom. <laughs> like, you know, do you actually watch it again?
0: <laughs> hey, I I got some time on my hands. Occasionally, I'll I'll watch through and be like, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. We
1: actually are living in a IG world, so I can see people posting, you know, yeah. stuff like that. But
0: I also think a lot of it I keep so that when I'm 70, I can be like, Hey, grandkids, uh-huh. can you do that? I bet you can. Um, stop talking shit to your grandpa. <laughs> little bitch <laughs> I'm going to be a salty grandpa so the last thing I want to get your thoughts on is what has this week meant to you mm. and maybe by extension what has the last four years meant and what does the future look like now mm. Like the week kicked off with Martin Luther King Day mm. yesterday there was the inauguration it's
1: a, It was a huge week. Um, I was not a fan of, our proof, of the previous administration, but I will say that during the past four years, we have woken up to see the reality of the world we live in, especially with, with COVID. And 81 million people voted to not have that guy in power. And that's what I... I'm focusing on. I'm a little worried. If clearly with um, with Biden, although I he was always my man. I was always going to be the person. He was always going to be the person I voted You're always for. Always
0: riding with Biden.
1: Always um, this round. Um, but I want to make sure this call for unity isn't unifying on a sinking ship. And I feel like COVID taught us that. There were inequities that were killing us slowly in the best of times and killing us quickly in these worst times. I live with great hope, but also great concern that we'll be trying to get back to a place that was already broken and not learning from the last year. It was quite emotional watching the vice president get sworn in I realized the founding fathers could not have conceived at mm. this moment where the first Latina Supreme court judge was swearing in the first black female South, uh, um, South Asian woman for the vice presidency of the United States of America. Mm. It's not like it couldn't imagine. It was in- inconceivable. And it was it made me want to cry. It made me really proud to be American. It made me really proud of the people that woke up based on the last four years. The people that that organized and worked that shared memes <laughs> that like that that you know called out their families and friends and and said enough is enough. And I hope that energy doesn't stop just because there's another old white guy. Calling for unity and calm uh, in the highest seat in the land. Now, an old white guy whom I respect and I admire, and I was I was riding with, and I actually had the privilege to perform for him, even though it wasn't very intimate. Um, with the at the opening ceremonies of the Vancouver Olympics in twenty ten. Oh yeah. <laughs> It was supposed to be Obama, that this guy showed up. I was like, fine! <laughs> like, <Yeah>. America! USA! <laughs> yeah. It's
0: wild how the, I want to say lunacy, of what's happened yeah. the last few years by this this regime that is no longer in power. The degrees they've gone are so cartoonish. You know, <coughs> when you've got Rudy Giuliani farting and leaking stuff from his face. And just like, really, throw a dart at anything they this administration's done. Whatever it hits, it's probably cartoonishly bad. And the cartoonish element, the, the, like the, the extremes, is so storybook, mm. right? So you think of, we had this beloved man come in, uh, Barack Obama, first ever black president in the US, a beacon of hope for the world, soft-spoken, presidential, wonderful family, swings really, really hard to the other side with the administration that comes in 2016. And then now they've been across the board, you know, beaten down, and they're scuttering off. And it's so, if you look at it like, like how different is this from the end of every episode of Care Bears when the bad guy loses or the episode of He-Man when Skeletor loses and him and his, all of his little goons scuttle off back to their base. And you Next go, time we catch it. Exactly. You <laughs> know, it's great. The good guys have won this episode. But mm-hmm. They haven't solved the problem. And that's what it looks like to me is all of the stuff we've been watching for the last few years, all of the stuff that led to that took a really long time to build up, and it's all still there, Mm -hmm. right? This is nice that that there's some order being restored, Mm -hmm. but to me, y'all south of the border, us up here, and then virtually every country has a lot of work to do because all of this stuff is just human nature. Like, it's Mm -hmm. in our nature to have to face these, to fight these battles on an internal level. And if we don't fight them on an internal level or address them, on an internal level, we end up addressing them externally because then they become manifest,
1: right? Interesting. I, um, I hear you. And I think the absurdity and the cartoonish nature of the last regime, because at this point, if you can't see what is wrong, then you're willfully. It's not because of the conditioning. It's the willfulness of um, of your desire to not see, does that make sense? Um, like I feel like at a time when the world was paused, we all watched something that shook us to our being, and and later after seeing George Floyd's murder and understanding that he was screaming out for his mother who had been dead, I was like nope, <laughs> we can't let this stand there is nothing to distract us from the, the horror that those eight minutes meant for us and for him. And if you, the people that can't start questioning, start seeing and start connecting the dots of the, of what Black people have been saying for a long time already, And fighting against it is because they are, their privilege is something they want to hold on to and are afraid to let go of.
0: It's also the letting in of a massive amount of pain that is unfathomable. And it's like if somebody has the option to just
1: take the red pill or the blue pill? Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Mm. I saw something that said, until white people realize that white supremacy is a white issue it's not going to get fixed and it was like there it is that's it mm. that's it
1: absolutely the idea that white people are very good at using it to their advantage when the time when the time comes like the ease in which um, the woman in Central Park was like oh you know what I'm going to tell you're black because I can't I have that power I know how to do it yay <laughs> it was quick Bam. But to dismantle, I was like, oh, I'm helpless. <laughs> what can I do?
0: And you change the mindset before you can change the behavior. right? Mm. And so you go, OK, so what's the mindset in me? Am I OK with passively benefiting from this all the time? Right. Um, one way that we can we can all try to actively make it better is we can donate to your company,
1: right? Absolutely.
0: With that in mind. What does your company have coming up?
1: Well, we're holding auditions to start again soon. We have a planned 15 weeks of work that um, to help us with the development of Witness, um, which is uh, a three-part depiction of the African-American, African-American March Towards Equality. Um, we have 15 week, weeks of works planned, but only funding for the first six weeks. So we're looking for support to take us the, the whole way there. Um, we're in the middle of, of um, of the audition process, which looks very different with COVID, but, but, uh, anything you guys can do to donate and support Rudder Dance via our Instagram at Rudder Dance, or you can visit our Facebook page or our, um, website R U D D U R dance, forward slash support. Um, donations are tax deductible and we are, we make great work and we happen to have a great mission, which is to better the world through dance.
0: Absolutely. Everybody go check out Rudder dance on any of the socials, uh, Touche is no longer on YouTube. Did they take it down?
1: They did take it down. Um, I'm hoping they put it up again one day. Um,
0: Remind me of the dancers' names. Calvin Royal is one of them.
1: Calvin Royal III, the principal third. dancer with ABT, and Joao Minagusi, a uh, corps ballet dancer with ABT. Right. Uh, both queer men of color who excellently depict this work, the vulnerability, yeah. the sensitivity, the romance, and the, and the lust gotcha. of the of the work
0: mm. uh, yeah that was yeah that was one of the things was the lust was like that's what i have i haven't seen gay lust before like definitely mm. haven't seen this before you know
1: even with me as your roommate that's <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. i am ashamed of myself yeah. <laughs>
0: like... you showed me lots of stuff when we were roommates so don't worry okay we can get to it, all. it was only a year hmm. thank you so much chris for being here and chatting with me today it's been great to hear your perspectives and we'll have to have you back and maybe we in the future we can have an episode that's just us telling stories, maybe unflattering stories of each other from ten years ago. We'll see. Or
1: <laughs> we could not do that. Or we could yeah, <laughs> like, we we just uh, see how it goes. Yeah. Let's but either way. But thanks for having me. It was a wonderful trip down memory lane and I appreciate it.
0: Check us out at Two Guys on Instagram and Facebook. Email us at two at gmail.com if there's any ideas or episode ideas you want to hear us talk about Mm. otherwise we'll see you next week bye
1: do you have a sense of belonging anywhere dance just dance dance